Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Raina Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. I'm actually surprised that your rant line, rave line, whatever, isn't completely full. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Michael Castillo for this? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Could I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Scratch. Up against the wall. Can't explain it, what I'm feeling right now, guys. I can't believe it. Let's open up that race Woohoo! Oh, I can't believe USD has hired Lincoln Riley. Oh, yeah! Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Radio True Radio, episode 519, coming to you on Wednesday, November 8th. We're going to look forward to USC and Oregon locking horns at Autzen Stadium Saturday night, 7.30 p.m. on Big Fox. We're going to preview the game and so much more here in this episode. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at Reign of Troy. You can find us on any audio platform that you have, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, tune in. We're there. Uh, email address, reignoftroy at fansire.com. Phone number, 818-643-7227. Second Woods Bruin Show. I'm your host, Michael Castillo, journal with my co-host here in the Reign of Troy studio in Los Angeles, Lisa Dertel. Hello, everybody. Hello. Uh, we are back. We're back live, uh, unlike the other day. We had uh, we had some technical difficulties uh, that prevented us from going live, but uh, we still put out a show anyways. So thank you to everybody joining us on YouTube after the facts, uh, sort of a pre-recorded show there. Um, and if you're listening to us on Apple podcasts, uh, literally nothing changed for you. And we, we love you all the same anyways. So yeah. Yeah. Good. Cool. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, we are here to talk about USC and Oregon. I am super pumped about this game strictly from one perspective. This might be my favorite stat to drop ever. Carson Palmer played at Autzen Stadium in his USC career. Not once, not twice, not three times, four times. Carson Palmer played four games at Autzen Stadium as a USC Trojan. Saturday will be the third time that USC will go there as a Pac-12 school. <laughs> Insane. It, the scheduling intricacies between with Oregon and Washington and USC. Bizarre. In part because of the COVID season, in part because of the weird changeover that happened with the, the home road splits. It's it's wild how rarely USC has played these teams and how rarely they've played in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah. It, it's it's weird. And then you when you look at Oregon coming to the Coliseum. They came in 2000 and then not again until 2006. Yeah. It was it was nuts, like, so long. And here is SC going in, in 2023. They haven't been to Autzen in eight years, not since 2015. Uh, they were supposed to go in 2020. Uh, that, of course, uh, something happened in 2020. Yeah. SC couldn't 
couldn't go up there after all. But uh, SCU got to host uh, the Ducks back-to-back, 19 and 20, and lost both times. So, uh, yeah, here we are with USC going on the road. Uh, Saturday night's uh, Veterans Day, uh, 11-11, uh, looking for a, uh, a victory um, over the Ducks for the first time uh, since 2011 when the Trojans went as 14-and-a-half-point underdogs, which... Alicia, hold on. Let me check the, the line. Um, mm, mm. Uh, USC is 14 and a half point underdogs this week. Well, well, well. Mm. Mm. Well, well, well. Mm. Uh, Tony in the chat says, what was Carson Palmer's record? I just looked it up. It's uh, not good. <laughs> it was one in three. Um, let me tell you, though, about those Oregon games. As a kid... I thought like Oregon was like the big bad bad boogeyman, um, because those Oregon games were terrifying. Like ninety eight, ninety nine, two thousand one. Like these were games that were decided by late field goals or overtime. The ninety nine game is the game in which Carson Palmer uh, famously breaks his collarbone and then ends up uh, redshirting that year as a medical redshirt. That's why he's able to play five years and and have four trips to Autzen Stadium. Uh, but all of those were, were just disasters until 2002, when 2002 came around and SC was sort of able to slay their nemesis. Uh, Carson Palmer throws for 448 yards, sets a school record, and that was kind of like a, a big deal. It was a big deal to slay the beast that had pretty much wrecked havoc uh, on the Trojans for a long time. And SC sort of did that again in 2011 uh, with the, with the win uh, up in Autzen with, with Matt Barkley and Marquise Lee and Robert Woods and all those guys getting a big victory there because SC lost in 2007 uh, in Autzen stadium. They lost in 2009 and they lost in 2015 also. So, it's not been a, a fun place for SC to play. SC has won there three times in the last, you know, 25 years. Well, most most teams that go there don't win. It's yeah. a, it's an extremely difficult place to play. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's, that's something that USC was always going to be contending with this season and uh, especially contending with it considering the way that uh, the season has gone. But... Um, you also have to find a way to win games in those difficult environments. Yeah. If you want to be uh, an elite football team, and and we know that this USC team isn't elite, but uh, a a consolation victory to keep. I mean, well, not even a consolation victory because beating Oregon keeps USC alive and actually puts USC in a favorable position to it's go weird. to the Pac-12 title game. Yeah. Wildly enough. Uh, it's, you know, it's dig deep time now. This is not true, but it feels true that it's almost like losing to Washington has made it clearer (laughs) what SC needs to do to get to the Pac-12 championship game. I mean, it's it's obviously not true. You'd have been better off beating Washington to get to the the Pac-12 championship game. But the, the path is super clear. Like, SC wins out and Washington wins out. And there's a rematch in Vegas. It's that simple. Mm-hmm. And Washington's going to be favored in the rest of their games. 
SC's very much not favored on Saturday night, but if they find a way to to channel uh, the 2011 game and get a win in Eugene, they're going to be favored at home against UCLA, and then suddenly, you know, it, it's it's not crazy by getting the the by losing last week. It sort of eliminates the chance of that three way eight and one finish in the conference where Washington, Oregon, and SC could have sort of beaten each other and gone round robin and finished eight and one, and then you would have been beholden to tiebreakers. But now that's not the case anymore. So I don't know. Obviously, you'd be better off having one last week than than not. But um, yeah, here we go. Uh, it's going to be a, a wild ride uh, on Saturday, and. Luckily for SC, they've done this before while being a 14-and-a-half-point dog in Eugene. And then there's Oregon and their own boogeyman, which is they have a history of bottling national championship potential winning seasons in November, particularly at home. 2011, uh, number 18 USC comes into Austin Stadium, beats number four Oregon with a 9-1 and record, beats them 38-35. 2012, number one and 10 and 0 Oregon loses to number 14 Stanford 17 14 in overtime. And just last season, number six Oregon with an 8 and 1 record, sound familiar? Loses to number 25 Washington 37 34. So, history's on, on SC side in that sense, but uh, everything else, uh, Alicia, looking at the numbers and let's get into it. I'm in danger. This might be the worst matchup I've ever seen SC have. Uh, Quite honestly. I was putting together our visual element on YouTube. And uh, the I'm in danger sound sound bite is absolutely 100% accurate. It's. Yeah. It's a mismatch of of considerable proportions, mm-hmm. even bigger than than uh when any of the other ones that we've put together where USC's offense versus uh, USC's defense versus an offense uh against Washington looked pretty pretty darn bad and somehow the matchup when you look at uh, the numbers compared to Oregon is it's um mm, yeah. Yeah. Not not good. It's it's not it's, like there's hundreds of spaces of ranks between USC's offense, uh, USC's defense and Oregon's offense. Yeah. It's uh Hun- yeah. Uh, lots of gaps and uh you would hope that SC uh is somehow able to uh, not let Oregon parlay that into a win, but hey, you could parlay that into a win, of course, Trojan fans. If when you sign up for DraftKings, because DraftKings is running a new promotion that you won't want to miss, new users can place a $5 bet for your $5 first bet and instantly claim 200 bucks in bonus bets. You'll also be rewarded with a separate no-sweat single-game parlay every single time when you opt in. All you have to do is sign up using the code Reign of Troy, all one word, and using that code, Reign of Troy, not only gets you these great bonuses, but helps support this very podcast. So if you've been considering signing up for DraftKings, make sure to use the code Reign of Troy. Of course, the offer is only available to new customers who are 21 plus and physically present in legal gambling states. Please remember to gamble responsibly and check the episode description for the full terms of the offer to see if you qualify. Uh, let me see, you ready to get into this one? 
Let's do it. Alicia, you know the only good thing about football season being over? There's literally nothing good about the football season being over. It's just an endless wait until the fall. See, that's where you're wrong. It's tournament season. The best way to take your mind off the endless wait. That is true. I may not want to watch the men play, but the USC women are pretty awesome. Exactly, but it's not just SC. There's high-stake basketball moments all over the country. But you know what? They get even better with prize picks. So you're saying the only thing better than watching Juju Watkins is taking the more on Juju Watkins. Bingo. You can now turn your hoops knowledge and love of Juju Watkins into serious cash. Because you can now win up to 100 times your money on prize picks with as little as four correct picks. Turn 10 bucks into a thousand bucks with college basketball, NBA, and NHL entries. Best of all, Price Picks lets you get on the action on more than 30 states across the country, including Texas, Georgia, and California. That sounds pretty good to me. Yeah, download the app today and use the code Rain of Troy for a first deposit match up to $100. That's the Price Picks app with the code Rain of Troy for the first deposit match of up to $100. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. All right, let's get into USC and Oregon. The Ducks coming into this one ranked number six uh, in the AP poll, number six in the coaches poll, number six in the college football playoff rankings. Uh, but the metrics sort of love them even more. They are number four in SP plus, number two in FEI. Jeff Zagrin has them at fourth. Uh, this is absolutely... Um, Potentially one of the best teams that SC has faced in a really long time. Uh, I think Beta Rank has Oregon as the highest ranked Pac-12 team ever of the Pac-12 era at at the current present time. Uh, This is, you know. (laughs) I'm in danger. Yeah. Uh, The 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 Ducks are... The problem with Oregon is that they're a very, as as we're about to sort of lay out, they're a very balanced team that is unusual. Usually... The really good defenses that USC plays, the offenses, with maybe the exception of last year's Utah team, the offenses are just a, a little bit of a step outside of, of like the top 10 elite, top 20 elite kind of uh, situation. Right. Oregon is balanced and very strong on both sides of the ball. Yeah, it starts on offense. Uh, the number two uh, SP plus ranked offense uh, in the country. It's led by Bo Nix, the Auburn transfer. Uh, 78% completion percentage. He's thrown for 2,700 yards. 25 touchdowns, two picks, quarterback rating of a buck 80.2. Uh, 37 carries, 116 yards, and five touchdowns on the ground. He's only been sacked four times all year. Only Toledo has allowed fewer sacks uh, than Oregon in the country. Um, and it's a running game that he has with Bucky Irving, the Minnesota transfer, 120 carries, uh, 821 yards, nine touchdowns. He's also had 35 catches through the air for a touchdown as well. Missed practice on Tuesday for undisclosed reasons, but was back in uniform today, Wednesday, uh, in Eugene. So probably expect him to play as normal, but we know the Trojans can't can't stop the run. They can't stop the pass. They can't stop anything. Bucky Irvin, absolutely the danger man. Uh, he's joined with Jordan James in the backfield. Uh, 545 yards, nine touchdowns himself uh, as a running back as well. Uh, the receivers, Troy Franklin, 58 catches, 946 yards, 10 touchdowns on the year. 
Then there's a bunch of transfer receivers. Tess Johnson from Troy, 46 catches, almost 600 yards and six touchdowns. There's Trayshawn Holden, the Narbonne man from Alabama, uh, 27 catches, 271 yards and four touchdowns. Uh, Gary Bryant Jr., our friend Simon Jabari's favorite player of all time. Uh, the USC transfer, uh, 20 catches, 265 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, and then uh, Terrence Ferguson is the tight end to watch as well. Uh, the offensive line is one of the best in the country, if not the best in the Pac-12 for sure. This has been what they are. They, the, Oregon for several years now has been the big, big physical offense in the Pac-12, uh, and they continue to be that way. Um, what can you say? This is a horrible matchup for a USC team that – has no defensive full-time defensive coordinator. It's Sean Nua and, and Odom and, or co-DCs. We don't know who's calling plays. They know who's calling plays. We don't know who's calling plays. Look at the numbers. It's, uh, it's, for, it's, it's for not those, good. For those who are listening at home, um, we have a, a split screen, two columns. On one side is Oregon's offense. On one side is def- USC's defense. We have the national ranks on both, and Oregon is top 11 in every single one of the the rank, of the ranks that we have here SP plus scoring total yard total yards yards for play pass yards rush yards uh USC is 100th or worse in all but one of the metrics on the defensive side mm-hmm. of the ball 120th in rush yards per game 123rd in total yards 124th in scoring uh points per game allowed uh it's bad it's bad and and the worst thing here is that we, we just watched this USC defense get taken to task by a Washington offense that we knew coming in was going to be very formidable in their passing game. We knew that their receiving core is very difficult to deal with. They have a great quarterback. But the one thing that they really d- didn't th- don't focus on and haven't focused on is the running running attack. They haven't there's not that was not a Washington team that came in with running as an identity, with running as part sure. of their of their key plan towards winning. And they went out and put 300 yards on USC's rush defense. The difference here is that Oregon has a more balanced defense. They have a rushing attack that is extremely formidable, averaging 208 rush yards per game. Uh, they have running backs in in Bucky Irving and Jordan James who will punish you, uh, especially, I mean, I just, what I've seen of Bucky Irving this year, every time I've watched Bucky Irving, I've just thought to myself, man, USC struggles to get, to get, running backs on the ground, USC struggles to complete tackles and Bucky Irving is a missed tackle machine. Mm -hmm. And that is a a very, very scary matchup for USC to go up against a team that will try to beat you on the ground and will try to beat you through the air and can do both very effectively um, without really making a ton of mistakes. Uh, You've put together some numbers about uh, about how clean this offense plays, which is another yeah. big part of the problem because USC's defense realistically needs the opposing offense to do them some favors mm-hmm. to get some stops, and uh, yeah. that's not in Oregon's DNA. I, I don't know what's cleaner, the Aaron Eugene or Oregon's <laughs> offense, because first in the country in turnovers, they've only turned the ball over four times. Um, two interceptions, two fumbles, that's it. Uh, they're second in sacks allowed, uh, they are fifth in the country in tackles for loss allowed. So they don't have negative plays. They don't give up sacks. They don't turn over the ball. 
they are third in the country in, on third downs. They're number one in scoring offense. They just do everything right. Like, we we could look at the Washington team coming in last week, uh, the Washington offense, and say, well, we know that Washington's offense maybe has the highest ceiling of anyone in America, you know, right up there with SC, Oregon, and LSU. The Washington might have the highest ceiling, but they had struggled, right? They had struggled against Arizona. They had struggled against Arizona State. They had struggled at times against Stanford. There's no struggling for Oregon. Like, where is the game in which they've struggled this season? Like, yes, they had to sort of pull one out against Texas Tech on the road in week two, but they answered the bell there. Um, Washington was a game that was just a heavyweight fight, just, you know, trading haymakers, and they lost because they missed a field goal to send it to overtime at the end of the game. Like, this is a team that really hasn't been... Uh, they haven't truly been beaten, beaten. They haven't been stopped. They haven't been any of those things. Uh, and I think that that's got to be worrisome for SC when you go into this game. And what is SC's angle of attack here? I, I don't I don't know what it is because, yeah, SC was in a game, you know, five days ago against Washington where they had a chance to sort of outscore Washington. I don't think that's an option here. I, I, I don't think you can outscore Oregon because Oregon's going to go, you know, toe-to-toe for you on that side of the ball. And then when we talk about Oregon's defense, about how good Oregon's defense is, they're probably going to get some stops against SC too. Like, I don't think SC's going to have the the ease at, at gaining yards that they did last week against Washington. And not that Washington's defense is bad, but it's certainly not as stout as Oregon. So, I, like, what... What is it? I, I don't, I, I, you know, I know nothing can get worse than what SC did defensively against Washington, but it also could, you know? Well, this, this Oregon defense, Oregon offense just put up 63 on Cal. Yeah. And, you know, that's a, that's a Cal defense that USC put up 50 on, but 63 is still 63. And, and the, I think the scary thing about this Oregon offense is that uh, they have, they have, I know it was Portland State, but they have put up 81 points on a team, mm-hmm. which means they have had a game where the opposing defense in front of them was a, was basically just a, a bunch of uh, cardboard cutouts. But most teams, even against cardboard cutouts, don't execute well enough for that stretch of time to put up 81 on you. There's just only so many possessions yeah. and there's only so many chances. And and this Oregon team did. And I know it's Portland State, but when they put up 63 on Cal, you look at it and think, well, it's not like Cal's defense is uh, considerably worse than USC's defense at, at this point. Uh, so this is a major worry. The only, the only plus side, the only thing that maybe gives USC uh, an in here is that Oregon did have a stretch in the middle of the season where they maybe weren't maximizing their points. They lose the Washington game inexplicably. The more I look at it, the more I think about it by only putting up 33 points on a Washington defense that USC has now established can be got. Uh, They only put up only 38 on Washington state. They only put up 35, well, 35 on Utah is impressive, but, um, but that's how much USC put up on, on Utah more or less. 
So they've they've had a couple games here where maybe they weren't they weren't quite as uh, as infallible and 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 effective. So that's the the hope. Um, the the other thing that USC has in this matchup is the element of surprise. Mm-hmm. We don't know what kind of changes USC is going to try and make, and we've we've established that USC doesn't have the time to make extreme changes. But there are key personnel changes potentially that could be made. Uh, there are key simplification changes that could be made. Yeah, that in combination could uh, could result in in potentially USC having a little bit more juice. And the element of surprise is real in the sense of Oregon can Oregon could get caught overlooking this USC team. I think Oregon could come easily come into this game. With the mentality that yeah USC's offense is really good, but you, the the uh, uh, you know or the Oregon offense is going to roll through USC and put up put up eighty, and a little bit of overconfidence possibly works in USC's favor too here, uh, but these are all in my mind these are all hopeful kind yeah. of things that maybe Oregon can only put up forty when you look at the raw numbers when you look at what Oregon does well and what USC has done poorly all season, uh, the, 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 the matchup doesn't, doesn't bode well. Yeah. Quinn in the chat says that SC has the pieces to make Oregon work harder uh, to score if they line up right. Yeah. But potentially, uh, but, but what is lining up right? Like that, that's the thing you got to figure out if, if you're able to do that. Um, even when SC has made the personnel choices that people want to see, um, having Eric Gentry in there, it's not like, yeah, Eric Gentry makes a lot of plays. He also doesn't prevent teams from driving down the field because this is a defense as a whole that just can't make the stops even when they got the, the right guys in there. So I, it's it's going to be difficult. And like you said, the, the, the added wrinkle for SC is that the unknown the unknown of of what the game plan is going to be how is the game plan going to be different than what Alex Grinch would have dialed up are they just going to start throwing things at the wall are they going to be more aggressive are they going to be less aggressive are they going to change the coverages are um are they going to you know put different focuses on different guys like whatever it is they might do and that might just by changing up something you might find a spark somewhere but that might get you a stop or two more i don't know if it's going to get you enough stops to win the game and so that's going to be the thing that sc is going to have to figure out um and you know like matt in the chat says can you tackle in space this is the biggest problem that sc has like bar none the truthful answer is no 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 sc has not proven that they can tackle in space one of my over-unders is going to be directly a question of uh, of missed tackles, like because that has been an issue for for USC. So, yeah, this is. Uh, but but we say all these things based on the defense that we have seen. There is a a sliver of hope from a USC perspective that the defense can respond, that the defense can show us something a little bit different, and and have a a slight improvement and, and, and that's sort of, I think where you, where you hinge, you got to hope that Nua and Odom cook something up that catches Oregon off guard uh, and that catches Oregon sleeping and maybe, maybe proves to be the difference in the game. I think, I think when I look at 
the offense versus the defense, um, the Oregon offense versus the USC defense, it comes down to the thing about there are only so many possessions and, uh, and yes, USC might end up in the same situation like Washington where Mm -hmm. they only manage to stop Oregon from scoring touchdowns on, on two of the drives that they face. And, and that's that, but in the end, there are only so many possessions to me, this matchup comes down to what happens on the other side of the ball, because this, the other side of the ball is a way worse matchup in a lot of ways. If, if you're hinging everything on USC's offense being elite and, uh, and, and overcoming their defense, this is not the same challenge as it was against Washington and USC's offense as much as I don't want to blame USC, I'm not blaming USC's offense for the Washington loss, but they also failed that test in terms of could they be so good that they undid the the damage of what their defense was doing on the other side. USC needs to do that again this week, and it is significantly harder. When they you face failed this to throw a perfect game. Yeah, but they like, failed to to throw a perfect game. And again, I'm not blaming them for that. Yeah. But they need a they absolutely need a perfect game in this game. Yeah. And I think you're when I look at the matchup between USC's offense and Oregon's defense, I am far less confident in their ability to potentially throw a perfect game uh, in, in, in against a, a defense that has shown itself to be stronger consistently through the season yeah. uh, than, than Washington's defense was. Yeah, 100%. And I think that the other thing, you know, it's been mentioned in the chat that if, 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 if SC's defense is just marginally better, SC's chances of winning goes up drastically. And that's true. We, we've talked about it before, that the defense doesn't have to be a world-beater defense. Uh, sorry, if you're hearing a bunch of sounds, Jesse is... <laughs> Jesse found a soda bottle. And is and going insane. And she's just munching away, and she's she's too far away from either of us to grab to it from it, her. You know. so. so, yeah, we're, that's what that... That's what that if, if it, if chomping it, noise. If it gets more annoying, we'll, we'll step in here. But, uh, no, the... You, you, SC's defense doesn't have to be much better for the offense to be in a more position to win the game. We talked about it last week. If the defense got one more stop, then SC has the ball with the chance to win the game on the final drive, right? Like, that's mm-hmm. how close it was. And if, you know, they get the, the fourth down stop on the sack, uh, that they don't they don't get, you know, uh, they're not able to get Michael Penix down on the, on that potential sack, then... Uh, that's an issue that uh, they're able to get one more stop and then and then take it away. So, yeah, it, it's can SCB just a little bit better and that change things? Maybe, but I think that the difficulty is added in Oregon's defense. Uh, and let's get into talking about Oregon's defense because Oregon's defense is better than Washington's defense. Uh, the Ducks uh, ranks first. Uh, the Trojans are ranked first in SP plus defense, but the Ducks are 21st. Uh, the the Oregon defense, of course, led on the defensive line by Jordan Birch, the South Carolina transfer, uh, and Brandon Dorless. Uh, they've combined for 12 and a half tackles for loss, four sacks uh, for Dorless, six uh, pass breakups, five quarterback hurries. He's sort of the danger man to keep an eye on uh, from a pass rush perspective. Uh, the other guy I really like in this defense is safety Evan Williams, the the Fresno State transfer. Fifty three tackles leads the leads the Ducks there. Uh, four tackles for loss, three and a half sacks. Um, 
and uh, they have star Nickelback, sort of like a bo- like a box safety uh, that that Oregon puts together with Taishim Johnson, an Ole Miss transfer. Um, Forty seven tackles, two picks, uh, two and a half um, tackles for loss, and uh, this is an interesting defense because they're just solid. They're solid at everything. They will get after you. Look at all the pressure that they brought to um, to Colorado, um, and you know, just completely wrecked havoc with, with Shadur uh, Sanders um, and stopped them from sort of doing anything in that game. Um, that's a, a sort of element that, you know, SC cannot have in this game, right? They cannot let themselves sit there and be beholden to a pass rush like we saw in the Notre Dame game, like we saw in sort of the Utah game at times where, the Trojans struggled on the offensive line uh, to do things that, you know, allowed the offense to move the ball down the field uh, because this is a problem that could end up rearing its head. Luckily for the Trojans on, on offense, they got the, the run game absolutely working last week, uh, even without Marshawn Lloyd. He was out injured, um, presumably injured, um, and missed the game, and they were fine. They were able to run the ball on Washington, no problem. If they're able to do that again uh, against Oregon, I think it makes everything else easier. It opens everything else. If they're able to get the screens to work, I think that opens things up even more. They have the ability to put points on the board. I think that we know that SC, you know, they have the number one offense in SP Plus for a reason. And I think that you should believe in Caleb Williams. He's arguably the best player in college football, especially on offense and Anytime you have him with the idea of like house money, uh, especially when you just fired your defensive coordinator, you've got nothing to lose in this sort of game. Yeah, anything can happen in in, in that sense. I think that's the that's the hope and the upshot for the, for the offense. Yeah, um, but this is also the best defense that USC will have faced uh, since Utah. Yeah, since Utah and uh, Notre Dame, and we saw what Utah and Notre Dame were able to do in terms of limiting USC's offense, and uh, that's the that's the concern is yeah. that USC has been able to absolutely demolish most of the middling to bad defenses that they have faced, but the two defenses this season that are ranked in the sort of top fifteen, which if we're talking SP plus top 15, Utah and Notre Dame, both Oregon slightly out of that and in rank 20th, but still up in that tier of defenses and USC was limited to 32 points against Utah. USC had a bajillion turnovers against Notre Dame. And that is a a trend that USC has to overturn in order to have a chance in this game uh, because 32 points isn't going to cut it. You know, 20 points isn't going to cut it. 42 points wasn't enough to cut it against Washington uh, on the other side. And um, that's this is going to be a real test for for USC. It, it's going to be a test of USC's mentality on offense, mm-hmm. their execution. This is going to be a huge test of USC's uh, offensive line. Yeah. Especially because I sort of isolated some a couple stats that I think are really important um, when it comes to the offense, and I want to make it clear that like this is not this is not putting the result on the offense in a in a in a 
bigger picture sort of sense, USC's offense is being asked to compete at a level that is unsustainable and unreliable and, and, and unfair to them in terms of what they have to do in order to win football games. Um, but the reality is, as we've pointed out, they were very, very close to winning games against Utah, winning games against Washington. Mm-hmm. If the offense had executed just as much as if the defense had executed, understanding that the offense is executing at A minus and the defense is at an F. Yeah. But if the offense is an A or an A plus, they win the game. And if the defense is at an a D, they win the game. Like recognizing that that's what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, when you look at the offense, they haven't really been like, there's a key factor here where USC chooses not to run the ball uh, at times in, in games where I think that if they committed more to their run game, they might have a chance. So uh, USC lost games to Utah and Washington while averaging 11.7 and 9.7 yards per carry when they handed the ball off to a running back. But running backs in those games only got 16 carries and 12 carries respectively. In games where USC has had 27 or fewer rushing attempts, and that is rushing attempts across the board because I didn't parse out the quarterback rushes, just rushing 27 or fewer rushing attempts. Mm-hmm. USC is 2-4 and four in the Lincoln-Riley era. There is a correlation that uh, maybe needs to be explored further to really narrow to nail down what like how far this correlation goes, but there is a correlation between USC losing games yeah. and USC not running the ball. And, and now, the score effects prob- ma- factor yes. in a little bit, but yes. not not but totally because I think the Notre Dame game is the only game that they were truly down and needed to throw. Mm-hmm. Um, and they still they were ran down, the ball yeah. like thirty-seven times in the Notre yeah, Dame and that game. was the game that didn't fit that bill. Yeah. 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 Uh, my my point, my broader point here is that USC was extremely efficient at running the ball in a yards per carry sort of metric. I was just on the Quack 12 podcast on Tuesday and uh, Hithlade was pulling out stats about USC's rushing efficiency in the adva- advanced stats metrics and yeah. how effective and efficient USC is in the advanced stats metrics on the ground. Now, the reason I bring this up is it would be great if USC could learn these lessons and run the ball and see if that can stabilize the offense and slow slow down the game, not have not expect the defense to be on the field for as many plays, uh, uh, basically play a, a, a time of possession game as much as as much as possible in theory. The problem with leaning on this is Oregon's run defense is extremely good. Mm-hmm. They have limited teams to to um, three. What is it? Three point something yards per carry. I have it written down somewhere here. Yeah. Um, three point two five yards per carry allowed this season. They are very good against the run. They have a very strong defensive front. They have linebackers who are extremely highly graded. Uh, that that uh, that that take care of that take care of business. Um on top of being able to go out and get get at the quarterback uh, on top of being able to just essentially win the li- win the line of scrimmage USC's offensive line has to respond to that in this game that is the 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 big question for for USC's offensive line is can they hold up can they buy Caleb Williams some time can they give running lanes to Marshawn Lloyd and Austin Jones mm-hmm. can they uh can can they provide a a foundation upon which USC can can score 40 plus points yeah 
That is my, I, I, I don't know. I don't know that I'm willing to bet on that when it comes to USC's offensive line this year. That is the, that is the matchup that they, that there needs to be a response. Yeah. Um, this is also a matchup where USC, the, a, a now increasingly maligned USC receiving group that is being criticized for not blocking well, mm-hmm. not creating separation, not being productive enough uh, across the board. They will be going against, I think, f- by far the best secondary that USC has played this well, year. This Notre is, Dame. I would put Notre Dame ahead. Well, okay, yeah, Notre Dame there, but uh, you know the this is a this is a stacked secondary. You know, you named you named some guys who are very good, and and there's a bunch of other guys who are also very very good in that secondary. Um, you know, Tashim Johnson and and Steven Stevens and all of those guys who maybe aren't tearing yeah. up the stat sheet but are playing extremely well. Kyrie Jackson, yeah, couple of picks. Um, this is a this is a, a an issue for USC that needs to have a response from players in those positions. And without a response from players in those positions, USC won't be able to to put up the points that they need to steal a game here relative so, to what you're going to see from the defense. So l- let's talk about the, the case for SC. What, what is the case for SC? Because I think if SC wins this one, it will be a stealing of it, right? Uh, we agree on that? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. The, the, the case for SC is a uncharacteristically sloppy game from Oregon in the sense of they commit the turnovers that, uh, that, that let USC get into the game. I'm trying to look and see what their what's their worst game in terms of, of turnovers lost. Well, they've only had four all season, <laughs> uh, so it, they, it, it makes it very they, difficult in that sense. Uh, they had two turnovers against Cal. That was their season high. Yeah. Um. So they need it needs to be like a three t- turnover kind of game, or it's like a, a a two turnovers on offense and one on special teams kind of kind of game. Right. Uh. And uh. And and opening the door for USC's defense to basically have gotten this, a couple of stops. And then the argument for USC is straight up Caleb Williams. It's just straight up Caleb Williams because this is the thing. USC has an elite Heisman winner at quarterback who is one of the best playmakers I have ever seen at the position. Uh, he is special. He does special things. He is Superman. He does find ways to win football games uh, single-handedly and sometimes that works against him because you know Marshawn Lloyd is there you don't need to win this single-handedly Austin Jones Austin yeah. Jones uh you know uh, Zachary Branch all of these guys that that uh, that has worked against them but when it comes down to it if USC wins this game it will be because Caleb Williams has done something spectacular on offense and yeah and, and gotten USC to the point where they are winning they, they're winning the game by scoring 50 some odd points and just winning the shootout which being on the road at Autzen would make it even more spectacularly unexpected for, for USC to, to do that. Um, yeah, I, I think, I think for me, I think the, the key is if SC is going to win this game, it's going to be doing something early to grab some sort of momentum on the road because and SC has done that. SC the last three weeks have had three very good first quarters, especially on offense. Uh, they scored 
what was it, 14 against Utah. They scored 17 against Cal. Uh, they scored a bunch of points early on against against Washington last week. You know, was it 28 in the first half uh, all told? So, like, SC has started out quickly on offense the last three weeks. You have to do that on the road, Knotson, especially because I think one of the keys in, to potentially stealing this game is getting Oregon to die by the landing. Like they they win by the landing and die by the landing, and one of those things is fourth down attempts. We know that Dan Lanning is willing to, you know, roll the dice uh, aggressively and try to steal possessions. We know that he's willing to try to extend drives and try to steal points, not settle for field goals and go for touchdowns and those kind of things. Look at the look at the Washington game. That's the reason that they you can say that they lost the game. 0 for 3 on third on fourth downs. Yeah. Any every other game this season, uh they are 9 of 11 on on fourth downs, but they were 0 and 3 in that game and that's the game that they lost. You look at last year. Well, can I can I share a Yeah, hold on one second. Okay. Last year, they lose the Oregon State game in which they blow the big lead 0 for 5 on fourth down. So if you if you find ways to pressure uh Oregon by scoring early, and sort of making Dan Lanning into being aggressive and you're able to stop those aggressive plays, that would be big. But then again, do you trust USC's defense to make the fourth down stop? Well, what has USC done on fourth down this season? It's got to be bad. 56.5%. 97th nationally. Yeah. That's bad. That's, That's bad. So again, like there are avenues for USC to the, like there's a there's a formula for USC to win this game, but that formula is against type. Yes. So uh, right. that's that's where the that's where the real the real concern is, unless you see the response from the defense, unless the defense being simplified and a couple personnel tweaks creates a defense that is. Uh, Basically, what USC needs to prove is that it's not that the defense wasn't talented enough all along. It's that the scheme, the play calling, the personnel decisions were all that terrible and basically justify the Alex Grinch firing uh, and uh, and 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 prove that it, it that the players themselves were not at the heart of the issue. Mm-hmm. Now, I think that I think that's probably true. Yeah, I don't think that these players that USC has to a man uh, are are as bad as they have collectively been. But I don't know that that changes in the span of of seven days. Yeah, yeah, it's and we we talked about it before. Uh, Oklahoma's defense got worse when they fired Mike Stoops in 2018. So uh, it theoretically could get worse, but then again, the Washington game. Uh, Washington basically threw a no-hitter on offense. So um, practically just about. So uh, what what can you do in that sense? Like it, it, it almost can't get worse in, in that sense. So uh, let's get to, to over-under, play a game of over-under uh, and preview this game a little bit more before we get to the mailbag. So you're going over. I'm feeling bold. Give me that over. I'll go under. I got to take an under here. I got three unders to take. I'm going to do an under here. All right. Let's start with our records. Uh, I'm up big. I'm 34 and 26. You had a big week last week. You went four and two. I went three and three. So you're at 28 and 32, still under 500. But uh, six game lead for me. 
you could go six and zero, and I can go on six, and we'll be, we'll be tied. There we go. So that that we need that could theoretically <laughs> work. Uh, all I've right. got as much of a chance of of tying this up as USC has of winning that game. Oh dear, oh dear. So, yeah. uh, all right, let's uh, let's start with your first over under. What do you got? I got four point three USC rushing yards per carry. Uh, this is getting back to what I was talking about earlier, that the rush, the rushing game could be a big factor for USC, but Oregon is very good at stopping the rush, so USC needs to do what no one has really done except for Texas Tech uh, this year. Uh, opponents playing Oregon are averaging 3.25 yards per carry this season. The high of the season was 5.44 that they gave up to Texas Tech, and it's no wonder that Texas Tech was a team that challenged them and nearly upset them. Uh, Washington did manage to average 4.3 yards per carry against Oregon, which is impressive considering uh, what we've talked about with Washington not really trying to establish the run game all that much Mm -hmm. uh, this season. USC this season is averaging 5.42 yards per carry. Um, They have averaged 6 yards per carry or more in, in almost half of the games that USC has played this year. Yeah, They just choose not to run very often. So we're going 4.3. Will USC better the yard per carry average of Washington? I'm going to say yes. Uh, I'm going to take the over on this, which locks you into the under. I, I'm i going to say yes because I, I don't think 4.3 is that much in terms of, you know, comparing to SC's averages. I know that SC has struggled against Utah and Notre Dame and whatnot, and this is going to be another one of those those fronts that can absolutely give SC – fits that way um but i really liked what they did last week um even without marshawn lloyd like they were able to run the ball well uh, i don't think rushing for more than 430 is a lot to ask the biggest hurdle for this though and the biggest risk in in this overpick is you haven't parsed this out for running backs which means sacks matter. Yeah. And if this is a game in which Caleb Williams gets sacked four or five times, that's going to make the yards per carry average, you know, be difficult to sort of overcome that way. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, it's, it's going to be a little bit complex here. Yeah. But Notre Dame held USC to 2.95 yards per carry. Shockingly, USC had 6.3 yards per carry against Utah. So against a good defensive front in mm-hmm. both of those games, USC had completely different outcomes. And that 2.95 against Notre Dame was heavily influenced by sacks. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's go to the next one, uh, which is my first one. Over under 7.94 Oregon yards per play. That's what the Trojans allowed to Washington last week. Uh, that game was at the Coliseum. This one, of course, on the road, Rich Brooks Field at Autzen Stadium. Oregon ranks third in FBS in uh, yards per play, averaging 7.74. So can they be 20% of a yard for better, uh, a fifth of a yard better at 7.94 uh, is the over-under here. So my policy on over-under has been this to take take whatever signals that the defense is worse. Uh, that's that's been that's been my policy uh, this season. But I'm gonna go against that in this one. I'm taking the under here. Wow! And that is just I I, I actually think this is a case of optimistic, Alicia. 
No, it's not optimistic, Alicia. It's just <laughs> that 7.94 would be the highest total of the season in terms of yards per play. Yeah. It would be the second highest in the Riley, or let's say the Grinch era at USC. Tulane, and it's still stunning, 10.37 yards per play that Tulane had, which is just goes to show what a catastrophic game that was. Um, but that's just a very, very high yard per play average. And I know that USC's defense has, has been, has been catastrophically bad this year, but I, I think that while the simplified defense won't make USC considerably better on, on, on defense, I think it might just keep more things in front of them. I think Oregon might end up running, end up running more plays and it just being a little bit more of a. 7.5 7.5 yards per play yeah. for Oregon, which would still be incredibly impressive and still not a good defensive showing. But yeah. if we're talking about eight yards per play across an entire game where theoretically there is a universe where Oregon is up big at a, at a point during this game and is just running the clock, I, I like the under here. Okay. All right. I I, I hear you. Um, part of the chat hears you too, by the way. Uh, Thomas in the chat says... Um, uh, talking, responding to something else that you said earlier. Um, normally, I would I would agree with Alicia, but I think the confusion factor should at least make USC's defense a little cleaner and tighter on defense, meaning that the that the defense will be less confused without Alex Grinch there. Mm-hmm. I think that's wishful thinking. I I really do. Like, I think the so, defense will still have physical beats that will still result in a poor defensive showing. But if they just cut out a couple of plays where it's it's just the nobody yes. on the field knew what they were supposed to be doing. But, but also, it's not like Sean Nua and and Odom have not been there. You yeah, know what I, I mean, mean that's like, fair. They've been there the whole time. But they haven't like, been calling the plays. Calling the plays specifically, but like, do you think that the process of calling plays changed? I don't think it really does. Like, I think I I think the plays that are called and the the playbook of the 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 installation is is just going to be narrowed down to the ones that are that are already that that, that I think that Nua and Odom are going to lean on the defensive plays the defensive s- setups and schemes that they feel more confident that the players on the field can actually execute yeah. and that might result in a slight improvement it it might result in a slight improvement and they can only get better in that sense. So that's where I agree. Um, I just, I just don't know that, you know, I, I want to, you know, sort of caution people. Uh, this is the thing that, you know, when, when someone becomes the, uh, becomes the, the, the fall guy. And in this case, Alex Grinch is the fall guy, not the fall guy in the sense that like, he's not, wasn't the problem. He was the problem. Right. But also that him not being here doesn't mean that everybody else is the is the perfect the perfect angel in terms of like their ability to to do everything right. Like and that one guy was doing everything wrong and then you eliminate the wrong guy. And now everybody is right. Like that's that's not how it works. Like so just have some have some pessimism there i guess maybe, oh i do bit. i have I, I have a I lot know. of pessimism just not eight yards per play pessimism yeah 
Um, all right, let's go to uh, the next one. Uh, what do you got? I've got uh, 10.5 missed tackles for USC. USC is averaging 10.8 missed tackles per game. They had nine missed tackles versus Washington. And I think this Oregon team, when you look at the playmakers that they have, are missed tackle creators. Uh, you have the drop ready, Michael? <laughs> I'm in danger. Yeah. Of having more than 10.5 missed tackles. <laughs> I've, I've never hit an over quicker than this. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's, it's, it's over. Um, the, yeah. the one thing that I, I think SC could, I, I hear you that if, if things are simple and it's just going to be like, we are just going to run cover two, we are just going to run cover three, like whatever, just, it, and it's, and it's as simple as just picking a defense on Madden and just playing the thing, which it's, it's not, doesn't work that way. But let's imagine that it is for a second. You're still like, the problem is that they still can't tackle. Because part of the issue I thought in the Washington game was in the times where Penix checked down because the dropping eight was working, which the dropping eight was not working like in reality, but the times where Penix checked down and sort of played into the dropping eights, he would dump it off and then the guy would catch it at the line of scrimmage. There's a defender... Uh, two yards off the line of scrimmage and he misses the tackle and then since the rest of the defense is soft because they've dropped back into a zone the ball carrier is then able to get eight nine maybe ten yards in a first down and it's like well if you would have just made the tackle there now it's second and eight and maybe they you can you can force them to sort of be behind the chains a little bit but SC couldn't get those things because SC cannot tackle. So yeah, um, you you got to be able to tackle. So uh, all right, uh, let's go to the next uh, over under, which is mine. Three hundred and twenty three and a half passing yards for Caleb Williams. That is what Matt Barkley threw in twenty eleven. Three hundred and twenty three. That's the line. There it is. That's the line. Um, Michael Penix threw for 316 um, against Oregon last month, um, including a bunch on that final drive where he came down and sort of had his Heisman moment against the Ducks there in the fourth quarter. Um, Cam Ward at Washington threw for Washington State threw for 438 against the Ducks last month. 438. We talk about how good Oregon's defense is, and they are damn good. They allowed 438 passing yards to Washington State. But in conference play, Oregon is second in the conference in conference play alone in pass defense, only allowing 227.5 yards per game. So pretty much the only two quarterbacks that have been able to throw against Oregon are named Penix and Ward. Can Williams become that guy? Uh, We saw him two weeks ago throw for 369 against Cal. 312 last week against Washington. 323.5 is the line. I've got the under here pretty firmly under. This Oregon secondary is very good. Uh, if if Caleb has 300 yards against this Oregon secondary, it will be an, an outstanding performance from Caleb Williams. Uh, I, I don't know that I I would... Well, I know I'm not betting. I'm not betting on that. 
uh, on on Caleb being up over 320, 323. That 438 that, that Washington State had on Oregon is is by far, it's an outlier. It's by far the most that anybody has had. Penix's 316 uh, was the was the second most that this that this secondary has given up in terms of, of pass yardage, and we already talked about how um, I think that USC they may have to. I mean, if they if they can't get the running game going, they may have to just force it on with the pass game. But yeah. I, I don't know that I'm one hundred percent in belief that it'll it'll result in a in a uh, in that level of, of passing yard production. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what's your last one? What do you got? I've got uh, 2.5 Bucky Irving rushes of 20 plus yards. So Bucky Irving, um, interestingly enough, he has four rushes this season of 40 plus yards, but only five of 20 plus this season. Uh, he, he actually ranks 71st nationally in, in 20 plus yard uh, rushes, which is just far, far less than I would have expected. For for reference, Marshawn Lloyd is sixth nationally with 10 rushes of, of 20-plus yards. Uh, but Washington's Dylan Johnson had four rushes of 20-plus yards against USC. Jay That's Not- it? It was only four? It was only four. <laughs> only four. Uh, Jay Knott had two, but the two that he had were big breakers, which I think is very possible that that is what, um, that is what Bucky Irving sort of sort of does. Uh, so I, I set the line at two point five. I, I just couldn't, I couldn't in good conscience go up to three, even though it feels like I should should lean this line higher. It just three is very high when he when he has five all season. Yeah, I looked it up. Dylan Johnson has six all year. Four came against SC. That, that's a good point. <laughs> uh, take the over. Uh, the, the chat <laughs> the chat is saying take the over. Kenny says take the yeah. over. Dale says take the over. Uh, yeah, it's 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 gonna be over, um, absolutely over. Um, in I'm going with the over until there's a reason not to, and maybe this would be a, a safer take if it was a one point five, but which I would have never gone down to. Um, yeah. The I think the 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 way I get this, the way I win this is if uh, if Oregon does that thing where we know Bucky Irving is is the dude, but also. Jordan James, Jordan James gets is run, the guy. yeah, and uh, it could be Jordan James that breaks him. So. Yeah, I would just say Jordan James, the guy with the fir- f- two first names. Two first names. Bucky, Bucky Irving, Irving is also two, two first, first names. names. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Bo Nix almost does, mm. but uh, he's plural. Hey, just just the, wait uh, for uh, just wait for people to start saying yeah. Nix. Yeah, uh, let's get to the last one. Last over under. Uh, I got over under 0.5. I don't like doing yes and no's, but this is a yes and no. 40-yard Taj Washington catch over under 0.5. Will he have a 40-yard catch in this game? The reason I bring this up, Taj had eight, has eight this season, the most by a Trojan wide receiver since Marquise Lee had 11 in 2012, the year that he won the Blitnikoff Award. Only South Carolina's Xavier Leggett uh, has more. He has nine catches of 40-plus yards. So Oregon's only allowed three all season, but Taj basically does it every single week. Uh, Will he get a catch of 40-plus yards? Yeah, I'm taking the under on this just because of of what what you just said. Oregon has not allowed explosive passing plays like that. 
And I think if I'm Morgan, I get to key in pretty pretty heavily on on Taj Washington at this point because he is wide receiver one. Yeah. For USC, and and until someone like Mario Williams or Dorian Singer or Michael Jackson the third or Kyron Hudson or somebody steps up and and starts being the the man in this offense, aside from potentially like Brendan Rice, yeah. Uh, then I, I think Taj has to is going to get a, a little bit of blanket put on him if I'm Morgan. Uh, so. I just don't... Is Taj capable of doing that? Yes. Yeah. I yeah. just don't like the matchup with the secondary uh, and uh, taking the under as a result. Those three that they've allowed all season, one by Penix, two by Ward, by the way. So yeah. the, t- the two guys who did throw a bunch of yards, both were able to do it. Uh, but will it go to Taj is, is the big question there, of course. Uh, all right. Uh, before we get to our predictions, our game predictions... Uh, big shout out to Alex in the chat for a little hey. for a super chat. We appreciate you. Alex always coming through in the clutch. Much appreciated. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's get to our predictions, of course. Uh, over under, all done with. Um, Lisa, the line in Vegas, 14 and a half. We talked about it before. Uh, the Trojans have not been 14 and a half point dogs. Uh, on the road in Autzen since 2011 when the Trojans got a big win. Uh, Bill Connolly's SP Plus projection is Oregon 41, USC 28. What is your projection? Will this be the uh, Gary Bryant revenge game, uh, (laughs) according to Matt in the chat, or will this be a game in which SC channels that 2011 game? (laughs) Uh, I unfortunately cannot pick USC to win this game. I think it will be 42-35. I like Bill Connolly's projection. I just am putting a garbage time touchdown on the end of it. Okay. For who? For for, 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 for SC. For SC. Uh, I I don't like this matchup at all, especially because, and we have, I mean, we've talked about it a little bit, but it's Autzen. I don't think you can go in expecting to see USC's best on offense in Autzen, we have seen USC in in difficult environments that and 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 struggle uh, to to get things going on on offense and yeah and I don't trust this team to cut out enough of the mistakes that they need to cut out in order to win the game, mm-hmm. especially in a game where I firmly predict Oregon will win the battle at the line of scrimmage. So. I don't think it's particularly close. I think the final score is probably closer than it looks in the end. Okay. Closer than it was. Yeah. You, you say that SC, will they be able to have offensive success in Autzen is the question. Um, SC went into the snake pit that is Folsom Field at elevation against Colorado's vaunted defense on the road and scored 48 points. They went into the absolute hellhole that is Berkeley. <laughs> Just the, the 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 true blue hole of uh, of of Memorial Stadium, and they dropped fifty on the road. This is an Oregon team that how many times we talked about it before has a history of bottling it. Bottling a national championship run in November, and no, I'm not going to bring up the Dennis Dixon thing in 2007. That's horrible. That was just bad luck. That was bad luck. That was on the road. <laughs> yeah. Uh, What's followed since is yes. bottling it. But. 2011, 
Number four, Oregon loses to number 18 USC at home. November 2012, number one, Oregon loses at home to number 14, Stanford. Uh, 2022, number six, eight and one, Oregon loses at home to number 25, Washington. Alicia, we talk a lot about football reasons and whether or not there's football reasons to or not to pick anybody. There is no football reason to pick SC, which is why I'm not doing it because Don't do it. this has all the makings of an absolute jiggle bagging. Um, but I don't think it will be. I think SC, um, I think SC has nothing to play for in the, in the, not nothing to play for. They've got a lot to play for. They, they've got nothing to lose. Um, and so I think SC can be sort of competitive here. I think that they can maybe have a valiant effort where they lose this game, but you're like, I like their effort. They did what they could. 4531 is 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 my my thought here. I was going to go I I was looking at it, I was thinking that it might play out similarly to the Washington State game a couple weeks ago. Uh the Ducks beat the Cougs 38-24. I liked that margin except I'm just up and in a touchdown in both directions. So 4531 uh is what I have. Uh Oregon beating Nessie. So not completely a jiggle bag, but Sort of, kind of, uh, big margin for SC, um, 14 points. So, uh, which would be SC covering just barely slightly, kind <laughs> of, sort of. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. A, a, a lily war- warping of a little bit. So, uh, all right. Let's, uh, let's get to, um, the mailbag, shall we? You've got mail. All right, let's start with a YouTube comment that we got um, on the last episode from Jaime, who says, Alicia, for a player to sit calmly on the sidelines when the moment of truth is taking place, in all caps, cannot be defended. He failed as a teammate. Hopefully he learns from it. If injured, okay, but if you can move, you can get up behind, get your behind up and show love and respect, in all caps, to your teammates. I believe this is in reference to Caleb Williams. And I respectfully disagree. I would encourage you to watch football, to watch games, and pay attention to games where you are not emotionally invested in the outcome and see how many times you see the quarterback sitting alone on the bench at the, in an end-of-game scenario. You will see it every week at every level in every conference, in in many, 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 many games. You will see, I, I have remember, like Tom Brady would sit alone on the bench, on the sideline. Like it's extremely common for quarterbacks to sit on the bench. Yeah. While, while, the, while the, the game is going on, especially, especially in a stadium where you've got a big, a big screen up on, up on the one side of the, the field and you can sit on the bench and watch what's going on. Like, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't need my, you and I talked about this, Michael off air, like fans hate the towel waivers. They think they're lame. They think they're stupid. And yet you want Caleb Williams to go be a towel waiver. I don't need Caleb Williams to be a towel waiver. He does a million other things. He speaks with his, with his play. He speaks with his passion. 
this is a silly, silly, silly and unnecessary criticism of him. Yeah, I also I encourage you to go to YouTube. You're on YouTube if you're watching this live here. Um, save it um, or open a new tab maybe. Uh, and go look up, put in 2005 USC Notre Dame and watch the fourth quarter. And look where Matt Leinart is in the fourth quarter. He is on the sideline with his hands, his helmet in his hands, like his head in his hands for the fourth quarter. And look what happened. He won the game. Like, and there was nobody is denying his effort or any of those things. These are things that people pick out in losses because it's frustrating. And I understand that, like, you don't. I, I understand why this bothers people, but it should not bother people. Uh, like it, it just it should not bother me. Like, no. we we all find we all react differently to trauma. We all react differently to stress. Some people laugh at funerals. Some people cry at funerals. Some people don't go to funerals. Some people like you know, I. Enjoy to go to funerals that are that they don't even know because they like funerals. You know what I mean? Like everybody is different. Some people sit in the stands with their head in the with their head in their hands in a in a seat and can't watch. Some yeah. people some are people raging. Turn the game off. Some people rage. Some people turn the game. It just it's just it, it's it's just happening. It again, this is silly. It, it's absolutely silly, and it's and it's it's a reflection of the fact that USC lost. Not the player. Yeah. Because you wouldn't be saying this if USC had won the game. If the defense, if the defense, the defense didn't get that stop and they wouldn't have gotten a stop if Caleb Mm -hmm. Williams was on the sideline, no matter what. If if Caleb Williams front and center waving a towel on the sideline, the defense is still not getting that stop. Yeah. The, the flip side of this is he leads the, the, the comeback drive and you're like, oh my, look how calm and cool and collected yeah. he was on the side. Like, he just, he yeah. didn't even look concerned. Yeah. He's got ice in his veins. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't, don't, don't worry yeah, about it. It's just not it. Don't, the, the, that, that's, that's not a sign of like poor body language to me at all. And there's, there's literally nothing out there that says that Caleb Williams doesn't care. Like, he put so much effort into all this stuff. And, and the idea that like, he's not respecting his teammates. This is the guy who constantly like dotes on his offensive linemen. He took them all to the Heisman ceremony. He's like giving them a million gifts. Like he is there. There's nobody in the locker room that, that thinks that he's one up in like, I, We've never heard anything to the contrary there. So, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, let's get to some questions we've got here on the old YouTubes. Um, SJ says, what was the last time SC was a two-touchdown dog? I went I- to try and look, and it sucks because ESPN gets rid of the line that they have on on the game cast for last season's games. They don't keep that in place. But I was wondering, uh, so then I started Googling some of the things that USC had in like 2021. So I was Googling. I didn't find, the games that I thought that USC might have been a 
to a two touchdown underdog in 2021. They were not. They were like seven point underdogs to Notre Dame and and BYU. Uh, so it probably goes back a lot further than that. Yeah, I. Um, I mean, it might be the 2011 Oregon game. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I genuinely. Uh, the 2012 Notre Dame game. I don't know what that would have been. I, 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 I don't know off the top of my head to be honest with you. But it's. I, I wish that there was like it's a historical a da- database. Some some sites have it, and there then you used, go, and then then they're gone. The next time, like there used is, to be some that I could reliably go to to find it, and the the they those sites no longer have it. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Bama week one, two thousand sixteen. Matt in the chat says that's a good pull, but I don't even know if USC was uh, were they that far underdogs. Um, um, it was yeah, double digit underdogs to to Alabama. Uh, uh, fourteen point underdogs. When it opened in January, they were fourteen point underdogs. I don't know what the line was. Uh, I don't see it on this as uh, a Bleacher Report article from back then. Why didn't I see it? Oh, nine point favorites. Yeah, by the time the game rolled around. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I I I don't know. It's it's uh, it's been a while. SC's not really uh, an underdog type of team because we know that Vegas likes to make SC um, the favorite for a lot of things. So um, yeah, um, the Utah game in 2015 where Utah was undefeated, number three in the country, came to the USC Coliseum, was a three point favorite, and the Trojans were favored. So uh, and the Trojans won big with. Uh, with uh, Cam Smith having three picks. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, all right. Um, we're going to wrap this up with a question from Rama Murdy that says, who are you picking to win Big Brother tomorrow night? Um, I think Matt wins in a landslide because Jag will be stupid enough to take Matt with him to the final two. He if can't he can't be wins. that dumb, right? He is that stupid, Michael. Yes. Yes. They are both that dumb. I, I think we're all we're all going to be losers. This here. it doesn't matter who wins because no matter who wins, it will be someone who was incredibly stupid who actively tried to throw their game away by being actively stupid in the end game, and they only got away with it because everyone else in the end game was way more actively stupid than them. Yeah, I I love Big Brother. It's one <laughs> of my favorite things. But there is no bigger tradition than getting to the end and being like. God, I hope nobody wins. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, if I could have a nobody wins season, trust me, I would take it nobody wins this season. I I do not care for any of the three yeah. uh, that are remaining to be winners. Um, I don't think any of them have earned it personally. Um, yeah. But that's just me. Yeah. Thomas says, what's Big Brother? Um, it's, it's a show that's... I, I wonder the same thing. It's a, it's a, it's a game... It's a game that is so much better than the show that is produced on television, uh, and it it defies it it defies all logic, because like the show itself is terrible, the TV show itself is terrible. Yes, but the game itself, the game is the good. dynamics the of putting sixteen people in a house and having them scheme against each other and having them vote down and through and like the interpersonal dynamics and and the the all of the 
strategy and everything and the the live feeds that you can watch the house all the you know 24 hours a, a, a day yeah and see what's going on and all like that element of it is absolutely incredible the tv show itself is terrible yeah jag- <laughs> somehow they turned it into a very awful tv production jag pulling a cody cauliflower and um losing because he didn't ax mad at the end would would be probably the most entertaining outcome but still yeah Ugh. Ugh. yeah all right uh we're gonna be back uh thursday if you're a member here on youtube you can always join us become a member of the rot squad uh you get all of our bonus contents uh including joining over at the discord and then you get to uh, get all of our bonus content, including Thursday night shows, which is our rented for after dark. Where maybe we'll be talking about Big Brother on Thursday night because the finale will we, have. Uh, we could happened. be, yeah. I'm I'm sure people are dying for more Big Brother talk. Uh, I know the chat is now. Absolutely. Um, we'll be back uh, Thursday. Uh, Four ninety nine a month is uh, the the uh, the entry point for uh, the Rot Squad membership. So you can join us there, help support the show, but you get bonus episodes. Uh, and you get to talk to us on Discord and all that stuff. So we have a super fun community that we're building, and uh, it's a it's a grand old time. Otherwise, we'll be back Saturday night. Uh, it's a late one, seven thirty p.m. Um, is the kickoff in Eugene. Uh, it's on Big Fox and um, Gulp. It's Brando and Tillman. Oh so, no! You know. You're telling me... Uh, it's Brando and Tillman. I, yeah. yeah, we shouldn't have canceled. We should have We should have gone to Eugene. Yeah, we should have gone it. to Eugene just so we wouldn't have to, yeah. On yeah. the plus side, we're not going to Eugene, so we will be on with a car cast uh, shortly after the game yeah. because it is a road game. Uh, so check these spaces for how to get it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we'll see you then. Uh, until then, we will see you. See you. See you. See you.